McShane Bible Study Day 265, and we are in a bit of a time crunch today. Um, but we're starting in 2 Samuel 18, and um, this is the reckoning for Absalom. Um, David sends out his army. His army uh, convinces him not to come with them because he says, you're the prize. They're correct, right? You're the prize. They, they want to kill you. They don't care about us. Just like his army wants to capture Absalom and not kill the army because it's all the same army, right? It's, it's, it's the people of Israel. So the only goal is to stop the head. And so David says, okay, I'll stay here at the city. And then they go and they rout the army of Absalom. Absalom is riding on a mule and I guess is so frantic that uh, he gets his head stuck in a tree and he's stuck there. He can't get himself out, which is fortunate that <laughs> that didn't kill him because that sounds pretty brutal. But uh, then a man finds him, comes back, tells Joab that he found him. Joab says, why didn't you kill him? He said, I heard the king say to you and all of us to, to not kill him. And so I'm not going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Joab grabs the javelin, goes and kills him himself. And then he understands the king is not going to like this. But he knew it was... It was probably the best thing for the kingdom. Um, It's hard to know whether Absalom will start plotting, like if the king goes easy on him, if he'll start plotting again someday. He shouldn't have risen up against the king. And and there needs to be punishment for that sort of thing. You know, if you're running a a worldly kingdom, (laughs) that's how that goes. So, uh, but David sees it as tremendous treachery, which we don't really see in this chapter. But... um, there, there's uh, two messengers that are sent. One runs faster than the other. Uh, David is horrified that his son is dead, and he, he's just in grief at the end, and we'll see the next chapter. He's, he's going to be in grief. They're going to have to talk him out of it. But he's like, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. The thing that stands out to me is, and, and I, this is really common. So this is something that we have to be aware of. Keep our eyes on spiritual things. Because this is so common. I see this in myself all the time. And here we see it in David. David knew what he should do in his relationship with Absalom. But it was uncomfortable. He didn't want to do the right thing with Absalom while he was alive. So he carried this weird relationship with Absalom, and Absalom felt completely orphaned and miserable. Uh, You know, he's just in this weird place. It started with him defending the honor of his sister because his father wouldn't. And, And then, you know, just this weird, weird dynamic. Now, David should have dealt with this in a forthright manner many years prior. But he didn't, he didn't want to. So it's easy to point fingers at that, but what is there in our life that we don't deal with because it's uncomfortable? Would you rather just let it lie? Right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm telling you, I, this, I think this is one of the most common things in the world where the flesh, the world tells us, ah, just, just don't mess with that right now. And, and in this case, this is an important relationship for David. He needs to do the uncomfortable thing, do the right thing. Instead, he waits until his son is dead, and then he wails out when there's nothing more that can be done. Mm-hmm. You see that? 
Again, I'm not trying to poke fun at David because I, I, I see this in myself all the time. We need to learn to stand for righteousness, do the right thing, even when it's uncomfortable, especially in important relationships, which is, I mean, that's the key work of God, is to build us together as a family of God, that the, the fullness of the life of God is flowing through us, right? And if we avoid the uncomfortable, then it's not completely flowing through us, right? And, and what happens... Um, usually when it's done, it, it, it's actually wasn't nearly the big deal that either the enemy or your flesh or the world made it out to be in your own mind, right? But it seems like this big thing. And so we need to become a simple people that says, what is the right thing to do here? What does God want me to do here? I'm going to do that. I'm not going to worry about the consequences. Why? Why is... Why is my next 10 minutes of this conversation so important that I'm going to sit here and fret about it instead of doing the right thing? Like, what, who have I made myself out to be? That my uncomf- being uncomfortable for a few minutes or even a few days or years, whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. is so important over just doing the right thing. Right? Okay, let's move on. And then we're moving on to 2 Corinthians 11. And I just had a couple verses stand out to me. He begins with saying, bear with me in foolishness. I'm going to talk about foolish things. Because he, he spends most of the chapter saying, these so-called super apostles that are coming and leading you astray do not represent God. They represent themselves. And so here I, I feel completely foolish for having to give a resume, but at the end of the chapter, he's going to give his resume of all that he's done for Christ. He suffered a lot to bring the word of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. He said, what are, what are these guys done? They're puffing themselves up. They're working for himself, right? Satan's not against them because they can build as big a castle as they want. It still glorifies Satan, right? He says in verse 3, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he's talking about, the, the second verse talks about, you know, I presented you as a virgin bride to Christ. Same, same picture we see over and over in the Old Testament, right? That the people of God are this bride of Christ. Paul is saying, I presented you as this. However... You are being deceived by the evil one and turning away from him, just like the people of God had done so many times before. So he's encouraging them to go in the right way and not turn away from God. Right? We should all take note of that. Verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It is very, very rare that Satan comes as this big, scary thing that would frighten us to run away. Mm-hmm. He comes disguised as an angel of light. So we think his way seems reasonable. His way seems good. It seems easier for us. Right? And so that's the way of Satan. So he says, beware, because Eve messed up. The people of Israel, many, 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 many times messed up. Now he's made us a, a bride of Christ. Don't mess up, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that's, that's all I have for that. I'm going to add to that real quick. Um, God is not a stern God that w where we're not allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. God cares about our heart and the direction that we want to live our life in. Mm -hmm. There's this amazing time crystal I told you about that was yeah. invented recently that breaks all the laws of physics. I'm going to I'm going to talk about that tomorrow night in our group. But cuz many it's it's amazing this um this thing that's found by secular scientists, you know, very likely many, perhaps all, do not believe in God. But they found rules that they understand of science. And, and there's so many things in this, in this article that I'm like, that's exactly what I've been teaching. You even said it when I started uh, reading it at dinner. I started just telling uh, the family kind of some of the main points and you're like yeah that's what you've been teaching and they found this in a lab and one of those key points is that when they flip over this thing time crystal i guess um in in normal physics if they flip it over and it's a little diagonal it should stay diagonal but this thing flips over right or wrong and so there's only right or wrong and when we go the right way, we always make tons of mistakes. But our heart is to go the way of the Lord mm -hmm. and for him to correct our mistakes, help us correct our mistakes, and to move on for, from them. So we make tons of mistakes along the way, and that's okay. As long as we're continually coming back to him, he, he flips us to the right way, right? Mm -hmm. We're holy and made clean by the blood of Christ. So I just realized after we stopped the recording, I was like, well, that sounds kind of harsh, like we can never make a mistake. We all make mistakes. So that, that's what, what happens, what tends to happen over time is we tend to be making different mistakes because we're growing, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the process of growth. And God is a good father. And he, he will absolutely help us in every way where we need to grow so long as we're continuing to seek him to grow, right? Mm -hmm. As long as our heart and our mind and, our, and our, our life is lived in such a way that we want to be transformed mm -hmm. into what he would have us be, he will never give up on us, right? Mm -hmm. If we decide in our heart and our mind or our actions, because we can say we want one thing but do another, that we actually want to live for ourselves, he will let us go, right? And we, we see that in these examples here in the Bible. Okay. And then we're moving on to Ezekiel 25, and it's basically a judgment God gives Ezekiel to the people around Judah, which had been mocking them or attacking them or, or whatever. They'd been against Judah. And he says in verse 8, Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Seir said, Behold, the house of Judah is like all other nations. Therefore, I will lay open the flank of Moab from the cities. Basically, I would judge them because they acted like my people were just another ordinary nation. My people, I'm judging my people because they agreed to go in my way, but they chose to go their own way. And so I will bring out of them, I will keep my promise to Abraham and David, but I will bring out of them a smaller remnant that will go in my way, right? And so 
he goes on. I mean, he's, you know, against Edom, against Moab and Seir, against uh, Ammon, and against the Philistines. And he, he basically says, you know, these people, to some of them, and it's true about all of them, these people will seek, cease to exist. And, of course, that's true, right? Um, all because they, they went in their own ways, and they set themselves apart, the people of God. And, of course, in the end, that's true of everyone who does not give their life to the Lord, right? There will be a final judgment. And we don't spend too much time worrying about that because we're not... Lots of people will get in to eternal heaven who are not walking in the fullness of heaven now. We spend our time talking about walking in the fullness of God's grace and the fullness of His purpose so that we are part of what he talks about in the Bible, not part of getting in by the skin of our teeth, right? Mm-hmm. But that they will come. That's still true. And, um, and so, you know, those pictures of those other countries are a picture of, of all the various peoples of the world who don't choose him. And then we're in the Psalms, Psalm 9. And I'm trying to pick out different things that I talked about during the, because I can see where I highlighted in the spring or the first half of the year whenever we did this. Verse 1 and 2 say, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So he's worshiping the Lord. He's thankful to the Lord, right? That's the very beginning. We can't forget that. It always needs to be our heart and our mind that we worship the Lord, that we're thankful to the Lord. Verse 4, For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. So he knows he is walking the way of the Lord, even though he's made some severe mistakes, right? Hopefully we never make mistakes as bad as David made. Right? But still, he knows he's, God has forgiven him for those mistakes and he's walking in the way of the Lord. You see that? Um, going down to verse 13, be gracious to me, O Lord. So now he's crying out to God. It's the same Psalm, right? He was, he was thankful and worshiping and knows that God's with him. At the same time, he knows he falls short. So he says, be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death. So he's just calling out to God in all that he does. You see how he has both things going? It's important. You only walk right in the Lord when you're continually seeking the Lord to be made right. So even when we make a mistake, overall we can be in the right way of the Lord so long as our heart is to walk right. Mm-hmm. Right? And to change and to be willing to change when he says, hey, that way that you've been living, you've got to change that. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the last two verses, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. So it's kind of what we just talked about, right? In the end of the day, everyone will have the fear of the Lord. He's saying, choose the good fear of the Lord, where we know he is supreme and we give our lives to him and he blesses us. And that's it for today. You have anything? God bless you. God bless you.